Today on the Chris Devenick Show, we're going to talk about the grace of conversion. One of my dear old friends, and I don't just mean old for a long time, I mean like he's old. Because <laughs> I'm, well he's old, I'm not old. He's not wrong. <laughs> I'm not old, no, you've gotten I'm really old, old though. I have, yes. I've stayed the same. Yes. Uh, but anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, started out, grown up in a Catholic family, went off the rails, started following the Grateful Dead, became an LSD-using hippie guy, and then came full circle. So I'm going to talk about, wow, what can God do for someone's life? Because this is a story that any parent would look at and say, I lose hope. My kid's never going to come back. And he did. And he's a professor of theology at Franciscan University of Steubenville. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Also, we're going to talk about 70% of you watching me right now believe that soft drugs like marijuana and shrooms, thanks Joe Rogan for this one, uh, are, are harmless and, and, and should be made legal and there's just, you know, what, what could possibly go wrong? Well, that's part of Mike's story and we're going to talk about what can go wrong and why 70% of you are totally wrong. <laughs> but we love you anyway. <laughs> All that today more on The Chris Stefanik Show. Before we dive into the topic, I want to thank you, missionaries of joy, those people who keep our mission going Hop on to reallifecatholic.com, become a missionary joy today. You don't only get the show, you get a lot more than this show. You get access to these interviews where you can, you can hop on and watch them live sometimes and ask questions. You get a, a Monday motivational text from me. You get access to more stuff to help you live the joyful life that God has created you for. And you get the joy of knowing that you're making all this great stuff happen. Hallelujah. Mike, <laughs> I love you, man. I love you too, brother. I, I, it's such a yeah, joy to be with it you. Is. It's wonderful. I hug you, but we're both, we're both too old to move gracefully right. anymore. <laughs> Uh, I, I gotta. I want to. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, dude. I've been looking forward to this one. I am too, with some trepidation, but yeah, it's incredible though. Yeah. Thanks for, for thanks in advance for the intimacy and for being open to ripping open your soul no, and sharing this. It's a blessing. Your friendship has been a great blessing. Thanks, Chris, brother. You know. And as I get older, it is harder to to share it. It's funny. Um, really, when you're younger, you're more blithe or whatever. But as you get older, there's you know concerns of. My kid's going to hear this and think it's okay. Well, to they do probably this. will hear it. They will, and it's but not okay <laughs> to do anything like what I did, or else you'll be in huge trouble. I got to tell you, though, my, my, my kid stumbled upon Natalie's <laughs> testimony on my YouTube channel. And it was actually pretty no, you remember, you told me that, yeah. Right, but this was, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is part of what, it was a graced moment because it, it formed the culture of our family. Right. Where it's like, wow, mom is precious and was rescued by Jesus who loves her so right. much. Amen. And he loves me that way. And it, it's just like it formed their relationship yes. with God as yes. this rescuer yeah, yeah. and not this lawgiver. Right. Right, right. Though we have rules. So don't do the stuff you're about to hear. <laughs> but uh, this, is, this scripture came to yeah. mind thinking about your story, thinking about Natalie's, thinking about mine. This is from Ephesians. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And I love this image because dead is like... You can't do anything. You, this is an act of God. Mm -hmm. You're a dead body. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't save yourself. Uh, it, because of your transgressions and sins in what you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So this isn't just like about breaking more rules. This is an allegiance to, to a kingdom of darkness that we need to be rescued from. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Jesus did not just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Amen. That's what happens, and that's something you can't do by yourself. You, you might be able to power yourself to some good behaviors. You can't make yourself spiritually alive. This is what Jesus did for you. Amen. Absolutely. Amen to everything. Amen, amen, amen. 
So let's um, hear it, man. <laughs> well, I, I want to hear the story. There's a long version and a short version. I'll give you the medium version. <laughs> give me the uh, medium. Me medium's good. Yeah, I don't, we're yeah, long. Yeah, I, yeah, we yeah. got we got time. I'm not kicking yeah. you out. Um, well, I was I was raised Catholic, uh, a good Catholic family, great Catholic parents. Um, in a, a parish that was it was post-Vatican II. I was born in 1970. So in the 70s, it was post-Vatican II, but it was a very, very decent parish. Not traditionalist by any stretch, but certainly not liberal. Yeah, it yeah. was just real solid Catholics. And yeah. nuns taught us in grade school. And it's they like where I go now. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, they taught us. Yeah, they taught us uh, from the Baltimore Catechism. But they also were some of them, at least, living examples. I think of of saints, like mm. actual saints. Um, and in any event, I was raised Orthodox Catholic. I went to a, a, a Jesuit high school in the 80s, Georgetown Prep yeah, yeah. in Rockville. Uh, and and the, the, there were some solid Jesuits there, but the Jesuits who taught us religion and the lay people were not, were not solid. That's a bummer. And it was, it was really bad. We were basically taught indifferentism. All different religions are different legitimate mm -hmm. ways to, to salvation or God or something. But one of the religion teachers also taught the students all form in religion class all forms of contraception. This is when AIDS was starting in the eighties, and so they were warning us about you know they don't realize the harm that they're doing. It's amazing. And, and like oh right? yeah, uh, my my wife went to a Catholic school that was it was the same kind of story. Like yeah. they, there were some great people there, but at the end of the day, they this school had this young woman for four years, and, right. and could have spared her so much if they just right. were clear and helpful and saying like here's the high ideal, let's live it together. Um, no, no, that's right. And, um, but they, yeah. But I don't, I, I, I used to, well, when I left the faith in high school, okay, yeah. I, I, I kind of blamed other people. And, and, and at the time, in my mind, the church was hypocritical, right? Uh, look at these priests and, and religious, uh, and they're jerks or whatever, I thought. Mm. Uh, I was kind of like Holden Caulfield, they're all phonies or whatever, something right, stupid, right, like right. Catcher in the Rye, if you've ever read that. Yeah. But it was just, it, it was infantile and immature. Really, what it was was my own sins. It was my own unconfessed mortal sins that I wasn't repentant about wow. that completely eroded my faith. So it's so wow. it's it was me. I, I, I did it. I love the uh, Thomas Aquinas talked about sin darkens the intellect. Absolutely. Right? But in other words, it makes you really stupid. Absolutely, it does. And I, I, I can think of my own life. The times I've been there where where like I just couldn't think straight. No, it's that's like, right. It, yeah. it literally captures your consciousness and you focus on fill in the blank. Is it physical pleasure or lust or something else, right? So that's something like, but I bought in hook, line, and sinker to um, agnosticism. You can't know there's a God huh. and uh, life is absurd. That's the kind of linchpin of existentialism is life is meaningless and you could try to make meaning out of it on your own. Like you could kind of be your mini God mm. and create your system of order. But life is really ultimately absurd. Of course, that's very depressing and it was. I was very depressed. I, I stopped going to mass. I stopped believing. And again, it's my fault. It was sin. Uh, so there's, I started doing a lot of drugs in high school. My, my freshman or sophomore year, started smoking pot, but very quickly got into psychedelics. PCP also was big. They called it Love Boat. In PCP DC. in high school? Yeah, yeah. That's intense. Yeah, yeah. There were some skinheads. There was a couple skinheads in my, I was not a skinhead, but the punk movement was happening. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I was kind of rubbing shoulders with some of these people just to get, get high, you know. Uh, and, uh, so at one point in high school, I went to a rehab and I got, I got sober. Wow. It was in AA, um, but then uh, that didn't last long. Um, I didn't believe in Christ. I went to Catholic U in 1987 as an undergraduate in DC, studied theater, um, but then yeah. a friend invited me to go see a Grateful Dead show in, at the end of March 
1989 in Greensboro, North Carolina, for those of you who are... You're still lighting up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) Those of you who have access to a dead base, it was March 30th and 31st. Okay. Um, Oh, this this was insanely good music, man. The live stuff was still crazy. It was just on a different level. It's just, it was... and, And I saw these hippies, and I got LSD, and I dropped some acid. I had dropped acid before, but this was different. Mm. I felt, and there, there were a bunch of hippies from American University, which was down the street from Catholic U, and I just met them there in Greensboro, North Carolina. And, it, and people would say, welcome home. And I felt, wow, I finally found wow. the place that I fit in. Wow. And right now I stop and say, look, this is, this is part of the deception, right? We, we profess wow. uh, uh, faith in Christ and Easter. We renew our faith and we reject Satan and all his pomps mm. and, and, and tricks and illu- delusions. This was a trick. This was a trap. It was a trap. The hippie, the hippie life was still happening. The hippie community was still occurring, still going strong in the late 80s. Mm. I, don't, I think it may be dead now. I don't know. I'm so far removed from it. There's pockets. But in the late 80s, I mean, Jerry Garcia was still alive. The Merry Pranksters were still there. Ken Kesey, I don't know if anybody knows who these people are. But, but it was still, the hippie movement was still strong. And the hippie movement was not just a bunch of guys going to party, <laughs> you know, and yeah. laugh and get stoned. It was a very serious spiritual movement. There was wow. a serious utilization of Eastern religions, but I guess I'll get to that in a second. But I just yeah. went to the show. I was high in acid, saw the, saw the Grateful Dead. And you felt, there was now felt like no longer the need to feel guilty. Yeah, that's right. My right. conscience was dead. Yeah. Uh, My conscience was killed. And then you have a community of people saying, they, I love you, brother. I love yeah. you, rainbow brother. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and I felt loved and, and, wow. uh, and accepted. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. <laughs> So I was in uh, Miami, Florida, uh, at the shows in uh, October of 1989, the end of the tour, end of the fall tour, and I had an awakening. I had an awakening. Well, so this uh, is like kinda, a, what, what, what like a Zen like? Buddhist, yeah. a Zen Buddhist type experience. It called a satori. It's kind of like the Buddhist my, version of born again Christian moment. It, it or, is kind of like that. Uh, there was first of all, to this day, I know that was a real spiritual phenomenon, and I know it wasn't good. Wow. Okay, so it was real. It wasn't just drug-addled or induced. It was real. Uh, and I, had, I, I, I thought I was seeing through to the core of, of things and how uh, everything, I kept saying, everything's man-made. Um, wow. But what I meant by that was that these constructs of, of Western society wow. was very critical of Western society, and that includes Christianity, yeah. was all like a means of enslavement, right, of people. Mm. And so uh, then all of a sudden, so the way that the hippie, hippies on the D- Grateful Dead tour would express it is, that's when I got on the bus. I got wow. on the bus means you, means you have your, your awakening. So hippie, right, comes from kind of the beatnik movement. Yeah. Are you hip? Hip meaning in the know. Are you enlightened? So there was a lot about spiritual wow. enlightenment going on. And then it was the day before that happened. Again, I told you I've been encountering hippies with having conversations on a level I didn't quite follow spiritually. After that experience, I understood and had those same kinds of conversations about how the ego is an illusion and all this. And I started reading Alan Watts. Wow, so this wasn't was a, just re- a series of realizations. This was a spiritual infusion of something. Absolutely. Where you understood things on the next level. And it was an ordered system. Even though like, it seemed very free and loving and, and hippie, it was a very kind of systematic, systematic thing. So I started reading Alan Watts, who was a Buddhist proponent, Buddhist scholar, and getting into Buddhism and read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance and yeah. all the standard things, Ram Dass, Be Here Now. And, and a lot, I think a lot of this stuff isn't 
traditional Buddhism, but kind no, of a, a hippie-infused American correct. Buddhism. Absolutely correct. And, and in fact, what I started doing was I started buying into and practicing a form of Buddhist meditation that was developed by two former Harvard psychology professors. Mm. One was Timothy Leary, whom a lot of people know, and the other was Richard Alpert, whom people may not know by that name, but he became enlightened and changed his name to Ram Das. So they wrote a book called the Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, like kind of revised, the new Tibetan Book of the Dead, in which they set out a way of utilizing psychotropic and psychedelic drugs, especially LSD and mushrooms, mm. but also pot, you know, which is psychotropic, especially mm. in its higher concentrations, oh, yeah. of THC, uh, as a way of systematically meditating and attaining or approaching nirvana, which is the dissolution of your ego, yourself. Mm. So the idea here is that the self is an illusion. This is very anti Christians, anti-truth. Right. The self is actually in the image of God. Yeah. And the truth about the self is that the Lord Jesus as our Savior will bring us to a, a, a state of beatitude where the self is glorified. Yeah. Horrifying to Buddhists. Okay. Or at least to Zen Buddhists. All right. Can I ask, what, what was it about that idea that turned you on as a kid? Because I, I hear that. It is, the Christian notion is that like death isn't the time to let go of ego finally. It's the time to fully become yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you enter the presence of God. Then you're your individuality is, stands out more than ever. Cause, yeah, cause, in Christ. Because that's what love does. Yeah. But the practice looks like Buddhism because love demands itself a kenosis yeah, and empty. that's right, that's right. But, but that philosophy that I am nothing, like what, I, that's so unattractive to me on a gut level. What, did that a, appeal to you on a gut level or did you have to stomach it? It, it? it appealed to me on an existential gut level because I experienced it as true. Okay. But, but it, it's not true, okay? So it, it felt was liberating it in was some way, yeah? Yeah, that, that I realized. And, and also, you. so there's a secret egocentrism behind all this. Like, now you're in the know. Now you see wow. what, no, what very few other people see, which wow. is that this is all an illusion. The material world is an illusion. Any sense of individuality or self is, is, is an illusion. It's a dualism, I, thou. All wow. that is an illusion that, and then liberation so this is, Buddhism is kind of a riff on Hinduism, which talks about the cycle of birth and death and being liberated from that. Well, Buddhism has that same notion, but the liberation is liberation not just from birth and death, but libera- liberation from uh, the illusion that I am an I. There is no I. Okay, so it's really, in a sense, um, from a proper perspective of truth, yeah. or even a, you know, a Christian perspective, yeah. that's tantamount to metaphysical or spiritual suicide. Yeah, it's not killing the body; it's it's killing the sense of personhood. Right, right. And, and really, uh, from a Christian perspective, years later, I can look back on this and see this now. This is something that Satan delights profoundly in: is the idea of destroying, wow. crushing the image of God. He hates God, so he wants to cr- crush the images of God. Wow. So your person, you're in your person, you're the image of God. You're in the image of God. He wants to say, that's an illusion, that's not true. So the you systematic use it. of drugs would obviously be, I could see how that could fit into It was this. a tool. It was an instrument. Like, let's turn my brain to mush. It was sacramental. So, right. And in fact, it, it was explicitly sacramental. In, so this is very syncretistic. It was New Age with the hippie movement. Yeah. A lot of Eastern things like Zen, but also Hinduism and also Rastafarianism. And the Rastafarians have pretty well established use of, of marijuana as a quasi-sacrament. Wow. It's not a secret. I mean, this yeah, is all yeah. very, and so that, in other words, it's not, hey, man, we're going to party. It's, we're going to smoke and get high. 
But by high, they don't mean, uh, you know, they mean I'm going to get spiritually high. Elevated. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to have insights. And there's, so, I mean, in essence, a lot of what I want to say is, is just pot's a lie. Mm. But how is it a lie we have to, we can spell it out? No, I want to, I want to, I want to circle back to that, to the, to the harm of it. Yeah. Um, and, but, but more like how, your story, how mm-hmm. did you, how did you come out of yep, that? Right. How did you break on through right. to the other side right, right, back right, to where right, your mom right. started you? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, so, uh, fairly quickly I got exposed to forms of Hindu, uh, yoga. And by yoga, we don't mean just stretching yoga, yeah. although that is an issue too. Okay. That's could be a, that could be a problem too. But we're talking about, um, the forms of yoga that whereby you adhere yourself, you adhere, you yoke yourself, and yoga has this idea of yoking yourself mm. to a particular deity in the Hindu pantheon through whom, and mm. meditation with whom, you'll be liberated, okay? You'll attain enlightenment. Wow. So it's a little bit different, and I started getting exposed through Hinduism uh, eventually to the notion that Brahman, God, is a person rather than just the emptiness of Zen Buddhism and the, and the delusion of a sense of self. I got exposed to, well, at first, Sundalini yoga, which so, is very So it came dangerous. back to a personal yeah, deity. Yeah, yeah, and it's a long story how that happened. It was a couple of years, okay, while well, I'm wow. a grateful dead to her. Oh, by the way, I didn't say, I left Catholic U. In fact, I failed out of Catholic University yeah. in 1989 uh, after that fall tour, and I never went back, and I went on Grateful Dead tour full-time. So I wasn't just a college head. Wow. I was, a f- in, the, in, I was in the family, they called it, like in, wow. the, in, the, in the commune, basically. It's intense. And there were different functions and roles, and I was involved in the drug end of, the, of that, wow. okay? But, um, but in any event, so over the course of the next couple of years, what happens is what starts with, so agnosticism, existentialism, to Zen Buddhism, which I think I'm enlightened, and now Hinduism, which seemed to offer a deeper form of spiritual engagement. Mm. So I start with Kundalini yoga, which is extremely dangerous. Even among Hindus, they say Kundalini yoga is looked upon as kind of a black magic type thing. Really? I didn't know. I had no idea. Okay. Wow. So I'm practicing certain forms of, of, of Kundalini meditation. And that's when things turned really bad. So one day in Berkeley, California, a friend of mine, we call it getting puddled, right? So he would have liquid acid. And we did, we did so much acid that our tolerance was very high. So he puddled me with like 50 hits of acid. You usually just take one hit and that lasts for eight hours. But he gave me a puddle of, of, of 50. And, and I took that and I went on a trip for the next day, uh, wow. through that day into the night and into the next morning in Berkeley, California. And uh, I started to have conversations with what I was convinced were ascended spirit guides. Wow. And they were conversations. I was hearing interior voices and I was responding to them and it was a meaningful conversation and a lot of weird phenomenon occurred. A lot of weird phenomenon occurred. Wow. Uh, at one point I'm crossing a street and there's a, a, a girl, probably UC Berkeley person, yeah. and I was just moved to call her out, J- Jane, you know, right, this voice. And I said, Jane. And she turned and and, and came over to me thinking uh, I was a you friend. And, and I'll never forget the look on her face as she got close to me. I'm, I'm a hippie with really long hair and a really long beard and I'm really, you know, high, eyes really, what? And, and her face turned into horror and then she ran away and I'll, I'll never forget that. That wow. was really important to me. Um, like there's a spiritual conversion. ability yeah, to that know maybe her this name. this isn't good. Maybe what's <laughs> happening is like it horrifies normal, wow. normal people. So, some people would reduce these things to purely 
biological, neurological. No. But no, I, there's a mix. No. There's yeah. a, right? When you yeah, open yeah. yourself up, there's this also a spiritual dimension. No, no, so it's, uh, it's bold. There's uh, a bold absolutely. and. Absolutely. And in fact, it's kind of a side point, but it relates to conversations you've had with Father, Father Ripperger on yeah. the show. That when you sin, you do make yourself liable to the enemy, to Satan and his influence in a way that's very vulnerable. And you're not uh, breaking rules. You're, no, that's right. You're entering a different kind of relationship. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be knowingly doing that. That was one of the big takeaways is that, mm. you know, I never made a pact with Satan. You don't have to. He doesn't need you to sign on the dotted line and give you full disclosure. He's wow. a liar. He'll trap you and then control you. Wow. And he doesn't need your consent. That's the whole thing. That, I mean, that was really a shocker. I felt that was a grave violation of justice, which it is. But <laughs> the devil doesn't care about but that, he care. apparently. He's not a just yeah. creature. <laughs> but uh, I have to back up a little bit and just say one quick thing. In October, uh, back in 89, when I was in Miami, after Miami shows, we went to Key West, and we were kind of gathering things together to go back home, uh, all the different hippies going in their yeah. directions. Uh, and... Um, at that point, there was something called Fantasy Fest at Key West, and there were evangelical Christians who were there. Mm. And these two evangelical Christians in a youth group, clearly, and they were protesting. Fantasy Fest was a, was a cesspool, and they were promoting all sorts of crazy stuff. So these Christians were there preaching the gospel. Wow. And so I thought I was going to enlighten, because I was just recently enlightened. I'm going to enlighten these two kids, and I'm telling them, you know what? Jesus was just the ascended master. He's like the Buddha or Socrates or whoever. He just, yeah. He's not you know, unique in, in the sense that he just got high. He got, not on drugs, he got high spiritually, okay? But he's misunderstood and a whole religion cropped up around him. And they sat me down and talked with me for about a half hour while the group went elsewhere. They loved me, wow. a stranger, and sat and listened to me Praise ramble. God. And they said, no, Jesus is God the Son and no one else is God the Son. He's not just a spiritual teacher. Wow. And he's the only one through whom you can be saved. I'm like, these poor deluded kids, you know, I'm going yeah. to teach them a thing or two. And I kept going and they didn't back down. As ridiculous as I tried to make them sound, mm. they patiently listened to me. They loved me. They didn't ridicule me. Or, and I'm a hippie smoking cigarettes. And wow. And so that was a key thing. My parents' formation, the nuns, these kids, uh, these are key elements. I also, one other Man. key element was on Grateful Dead tour, I had failed out of Catholic U, but at Catholic U, you had to take these philosophy courses where you read uh, Aquinas' Summa and Augustine's Confessions. Mm. So in my backpack, along with Buddhist and Hindu books, I had <laughs> a short distillation of excerpts from the Summa of Aquinas wow. and Augustine's Confessions wow. and St. Ignatius of Loyola's Spiritual Exercises, which is a book my dad got for wow. me. So, so, so all that's there. Sometimes people think, like, these little things I'm doing don't make any difference. Those kids probably walked away thinking, that guy didn't listen to a thing I said. And, and yet, every attempt, man, my, the scripture says, my word doesn't go back to me, come back to me void, right, and empty. You, you throw it out there, and it's like... No, it's right. People don't forget. What if they never shared Christ with me? Seriously. Yeah. And what, what if, if we, you don't no, that's what with I'm, someone in your life? Exactly. You know, we, we don't want to be responsible for somebody not ever hearing you know, the mm. gospel. They, they risked ridicule. And they, they were ridiculed. I did think they were ridiculous, and they knew it, and they didn't care. They were fools. They made themselves fools for Christ. For me... Oh, Jesus that's beautiful. I didn't convert right there. And I wish to God I could find them. And if, if they're watching, I don't know. You know thank I you. love you and I can't thank you enough for what you did for me. Uh, do, doing <laughs> that at the time. So in any event, um, back to Berkeley. So I, yeah. I had this horrible trip. I thought I was contacting spirit guides. So now they're going, and they, I kept getting these messages. I got my tarot read, my tarot cards read that day in Berkeley. Yeah, in the script of Telegraph yeah. Avenue, if anybody knows about this. And, and they, they said, oh, you've got the, the golden cup, and that means you're chosen to bring in this new age, right? So that whole hippie 
age of Aquarius. We believe that. This is a wow. new phase. A new, the new age movement was literally believing that we're going into a new phase that's post-Christian, that repeat, the whole world is going to get enlightened. And I'm oh. going to play a special, it's so egocentric. Wow. I'm going to play a special role in that. Wow. And it was just a lie. And it wow. fed my ego and it blew my ego up. And so from that point on, I never did LSD again because it was such a hard, horrible, hard trick. Thank God, yeah. But I did it tons of times before that. But from that point on, all I had done, all I did was smoke really high potency indica and sativa, you mm. know, we called it kind bud, yeah. you know, m- marijuana. What would happen was I'd smoke and then I'd get into this state where I was hearing the, the, the voice again. And they were guiding me spiritually and preparing me for some role I had to play. And then part of it, and, and so look, I, I fully, I'm fully open to the possibility or maybe reality that some of what was going on was a drug-induced psychosis. Yeah. But I know for sure that even though that may very well be the case, there also for sure were spiritual things. Oh yeah, it's both, Anne. A- absolutely. Really? But in any event, so part of my paranoia was that, this is silly, but you know, the Freemasons were after me and my family. Yeah, you're which, starting to break down. Uh, yeah. And I made my way back to the East Coast. It's long, long stories. But I went back into rehab. And there uh, I had these visions. And it gets weird. No, I, I, I yeah. I had these Th- this visions. is part of the rock bottom. Like the Lord yeah. was allowing yeah. this to yeah. bring you it's back horrible. out. It was horrible. So I had these visions. And thanks for sharing it. No, man. it's okay. Oh, yeah. no, thank you. This is because this is for Christ's glory. And it and brings hope. Yeah. Because people, there's people right now who are watching their kids go this low. It was bad. My parents, my dad was very depressed. I think my mom too, but my dad was just cr- cr- crushed. Uh, it was horrible. And I'm so sorry what I did to them. But in any event, um, I had this vision of a pantheon of gods. And wow. I was being told, forced spiritually with this guide, you must right now, you have to. And I felt constrained. I couldn't get at, I had to choose to affiliate myself with one of them. Wow. And I didn't want to. There was something wrong about this. I was being, it was like being spiritually abused. Mm. And so I chose one, okay? And, and I knew I shouldn't have done it. And then what was also happening, so I'm in a rehab in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what would happen, this is another common phenomenon. And, and by the way, I've heard Father Ripperger talk about this kind of phenomenon. He's seeing this in the exorcist, exorcism cases he's dealt with. I would hear, uh, I would think a thought. You know, mm. even sometimes a mundane thought, like, oh, my back hurts or whatever, you know. And then seconds later on the TV, uh, somebody would say the same thing in the same words, like my thoughts were being broadcast. Again, psychosis, possibly. Demonic, certainly. So because you, this is starting to get scary. Yeah, this because... It's no longer fun for you. I was diagnosed, yeah. I was diagnosed uh, 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 with psychosis, and they gave me in the rehab... Uh, uh, Haldol or Halcyon, you know, antipsychotic drug, yeah. and it didn't make the phenomenon go away. Whoa! So I think that is an indication that it's not just yeah you know, whatever that there was something spiritual going on. Uh, bad. Uh, so I went. I said I'm not going to take this. It wasn't doing anything. I didn't. I didn't trust that. But I'm getting. I'm having terrifying dreams, and th- these voices that start off benign were becoming very confrontative mm. uh, and all possible sense of joy or peace was being stripped I felt like e- empty I can't there's no adjectives I can get for this so there was a there was an wow. exorcist father John Nicola yeah who taught us Latin in high school now he wasn't a Jesuit they were mostly Jesuits teaching uh, uh, who were priests there but this guy was a diocesan priest he was an exorcist for the diocese of Chicago and my parents got me in touch with him on the phone so in wow. rehab I'm talking to him telling him what's going on I, I, I gotta say this God is so good to allow things to get this bad 
Because you, if it not, had not gotten this bad, you would never have come around. Like this is the grace of no, rock bottom. No, I think bottom. that's right. That's absolutely right. right. When, when people feel hopeless because they or a loved one's hitting rock bottom, it's like no, this is this is precisely when things can, boom, Beautiful. bounce back. Because I couldn't save myself. Nobody around me could save me. I needed a savior. Mm. It was only then that I was ready for a sa- for the savior, <laughs> the only savior. Paul says this in Second Corinthians chapter one. He says. I don't want you to be ignorant about the sufferings we went through in Asia. We were left to, made to feel like men condemned to death because they were beaten when they were shipped. Despaired of life itself. Despaired of life itself so that we would depend not on ourselves, mm. but on God who raises the dead. Mm. He delivered us and he will never cease to deliver us, Paul says. Amen. Hallelujah. So this, this, is, this is where, you're right, it was a great blessing of being stripped of any possibility of, of finding a way through on my own or through any human's help, you know. All the plenty of people were helping me. So I'm talking to Father John and I'm worried about being possessed. Wow. But still, I'm not yet believing in Jesus Christ as anything other than an ascended master. Wow. As a, as a spiritual guide. Wow. Uh, Father John said, Mike, you're not possessed, but you're in a net. You're being pulled in and you got to get sober and you got to turn to Christ. And, oh. and he said other things too, but that was the essence. So Christ I got off the God. phone and that night I had another one of these visionary dreams where I saw Father John and in the dream I go up to him. Now he's a six foot tall guy, plus tall guy. And I come up to him and you know in the Hindu kind of anthropology you have these chakras, right? And yeah. they open up and they, you have spiritual energy that comes, flows through them. Yeah. So in my dream I opened up my heart chakra and I'm going to really show Father John that I'm spiritually advanced. I'm going to give him a... And so I gave him a hug and opened my heart chakra and in the dream it was like a telephone pole just hit this six foot tall plus guy and he flew across the room in my dream and and what what the takeaway was i thought this all was good i thought hinduism at that point now i'm into hinduism is the way out is the way to salvation but it's actually really really bad and it's it's demonic they're they're, the, the the god's are demons, I'm starting to realize them. So I'm starting to pray the Hail Mary every night for protection wow. for me and my parents against the Freemasons because I thought they were after us, which wow. is not true. Wow. But, but, and other things too. Yeah. Because I had remembered that the nuns had told me in grade school, you can all, no matter what happens in life, you can always turn to Jesus. So I'm praying to Our Lady and I was in for 28, 30 days in the rehab. Yeah. At the very end, it was several weeks, and at the very end, Right as I'm being discharged, the day before or so that I'm being discharged, all the voices stopped. N- no medication, nothing. All the visions stopped. All those dreams stopped. It was over. And I knew, I can't describe, I don't know how to describe this other than I knew Jesus Christ was not a spiritual guide. That he and he alone, what those kids were telling me, what the nuns were telling me, what, that he and he alone is Jesus Christ, God the Son. I just want to get up and, and jump around if I were attached to a microphone. I, know, I, know. I mean, to be It was that, such a blessing. I, that, I, that, that rock bottom, and like you just remembered, the nuns taught me to pray, I'm going to pray, and then everything's like, yeah. it's gone? And all things came together, what those kids said, and other things I'm not even telling you. There's so many things it's that came together at that man. moment. And he saved me. So then the rest is a longer story about getting back to the church and going to confession for I the first time in eight years. Uh, <laughs> I just, the Lord loves you so yeah. much. Yeah, It's incredible yeah, what he did. He's so good. I didn't deserve any of it. <laughs> I did hell five million times over. Oh, it's incredible, really. man. And he is so kind and merciful and loving. Thank you, Jesus. And he loves everybody like that. Yeah. Not just me. I got I to um, say it. Like, when I consider the mess that you were, you called out to him. I don't care where you're at. 
call out to Jesus. He, he's going to answer. He's going to show right. up. That's right. And he's going to show up in a way that nobody else, <laughs> nothing else can. And you wouldn't expect it in a way you won't expect or yeah. predict how it's going to happen, but he is there. He's real. He's here now with us. Yeah. And oh. he loves you. And he died for you. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just incredible. So it's very important yeah. that we share. I mean, I'm, I, I do. I feel kind of, you know, it's vulnerable to talk about this and I'm oh, but it's and so embarrassed awesome, for my own sins and, and ashamed. But at the same time, he's forgiven me and that's the gospel. That's it's the gospel. Yeah. It's yeah. not that we're perfect totally. but that, or we're so great. It's that he's so great. That yes. He's so great. Oh, his thank cross, you, Jesus. You know, is so great. Thank you, Lord. I've got to give one quick clarifier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't believe that every Hindu is worshiping the devil. Oh yeah, no, however, I'm not trying to say that. But yeah. but here's the thing. Sometimes people want to dance around and and so as to not imply that, forget and this is what the guys did in your high school. Right. Like forget to proclaim that no, there is one savior, one lord. Right. There's one right. god who we, a lot of these religions are the story of us seeking god and sometimes evil spirits can get wrapped in that, especially right. if, on the path you were on. But this is one story of god coming to seek us, coming to seek and save the lost. This is this is the fullness of everything ever look, everybody right. ever looked for in God. Right, and yeah. and you experienced that yeah. in a way that's undeniable. That's right, and, oh, and, and and look, you know, yeah, not to impugn anybody's, just assume that everybody is 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 uh, subjectively inculpable or they're ignorant yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not trying to, like you said, I'm not trying to impugn anybody, but it is important to to take away that there's a there's a danger. There are real dangers in false religions. Yeah. And and the, the demonic sometimes has very free reign in them. So you right. have to be very careful. It does matter what religion you are. It does make a difference. And <laughs> there are real dangers that, that aren't spoken about enough, I don't think. But I, I want to circle back to to, to soft drugs. Yes, do this, it, is, yeah. this is no, part absolutely. of the spiritual journey. Right. Uh, and it was it, and it's whether or not people realize it, there's spiritual realities to all the moral decisions we make. Right? Seventy uh, percent of people think this decision is harmless. For the most part, the church has been kind of quiet about this. I'm going to I'm going to share a couple stats and quotes from my archbishop, who recently wrote about this, and it's like the first thing I've seen from a from an archbishop from a bishop officially writing about marijuana. Because uh, people have been hesitant to go here because it's been hard. It's been hard to know how to how to wade through all this. Um, but what's what's the problem with it? From your from your point of view, like how, how inherent in your spiritual journey was this? And I, I want to read this quote to you. This isn't this blew my mind. Uh, it's from Cardinal Ratzinger in, in a book called The Turning Point for Europe. Drugs are the pseudo mysticism of a world that does not believe yet cannot get rid of the soul's yearning for paradise. And my friend Father yeah. Peter Musset calls it a false transcendent. Um, Spill out a little more how you experienced marijuana as a, a false spiritual life. Yeah, absolutely. So, because beer doesn't do that for you. <laughs> no, beer is different. Be beer is kind it of really a central nervous system depressant, and so you can like start losing, you know, and you get addled, you know. Yeah. With with marijuana, you don't get addled really quite the same way. It depends. I mean, everybody's mileage varies to some yeah. degree, but it's not an addling exactly. It's a psychotropic. It's not like a central nervous system depressant. That's a so huge, say that again. a big difference. Psychotropic versus depressant. Yeah, versus a central, like uh, uh, alcohol, morph, uh, you know, opiates, uh, mm. barbiturates, they um, kind of shut down your central nervous system from the outside in. So you start losing motor control and slurring and then eventually breathing gets suppressed mm. and then eventually consciousness gets suppressed and you could die. Okay, mm. so that's, those are depressants, right? But psychotropics aren't that way. They're not narcotic. Marijuana's not really narcotic in that sense. It, mm. It's a psychotropic, so it taps into something very odd 
in the in the in the brain, <laughs> mm. and it can involve like low level hallucinations. Although that's not always the case, um, but certainly there's a euphoria that goes along with smoking pot, mm. and that kind of euphoria, in my experience, it did this. It actually so here's the real sneaky part about it. Yeah, it actually did facilitate meditation. Wow. In this sense. Wow. In this, in a, but it's a, but it's a lie. I'm telling you, it's a lie. Okay. Yeah. But this is what happens. All the physical and even emotional pains and aches of life, including depression, depending on the type of pot, but in general, smoking pot dissolves that, alleviates it. So you have wow. a, you have a reprieve. Mm. You have a reprieve from bodily, you know, chronic aches, from especially emotional, you know, depression or sorrow or even maybe anger or whatever. You, there is a kind of a fix. You get a little bit of a fix. You get a transcendence from the constant pains that can occur in daily life, even if you're not in chronic pain, but there's, wow. there's suffering in life, right? So you get relief from that. And then when you get relief from that, you can think in a more unimpeded fashion. You can think through mm. things. Okay, so, so there's an initial like, wow, this is There really are goods helpful. offered in this. Yeah, except here's what's wrong with that. Yeah. What's wrong with that is it's, it lasts only as long as the high lasts. Mm. And it's fleeting and mm. it's deceptive. What we are called to do is to grow in asceticism, which means learn, not eliminate the pain, but learn how to meditate and unite ourselves with Christ or be united to Christ and be in his presence uh, while the pain is occurring, okay? And let, maybe he wants to relieve us of pain or whatever. But in other words, this is part of, gro- of growing to, to mature, human maturity, let alone Christian maturity, is, is learning how to not allow your emotions mm. or your physical issues dominate your mind and your will, hmm. right? So in other words, concupiscence uh, in many ways is all about your, your passions, your emotions, your feelings, uh, including your bodily situation, dominating your, your consciousness and dominating your intellect and will. So when I'm hungry, I got to eat. Uh, you can never like, kind of withhold that through fasting, you know. So, so marijuana just completely dissolves all those Wow necessary impediments of concupiscence that we have to grapple with in order I, to take I, all I, thoughts captive yeah. from Christ in meditation. Necessary uh, effects of concupiscence. concupiscence. Because that we have wh- to grapple with. Right, when you grapple with them, then, then we, we grapple with my selfishness, and then I have yes. an actual relationship with my wife and kids. Right. Or I smoke weed, and I just say, I just love you guys yeah, yeah. so much. And it's a big when lie. When, in fact, I'm a self-centered jerk, it's and nothing's changed about it's me. It's a big lie, absolutely. Right, that, so there's, but... Um, yeah, I, I, can, I can see the difference. Alcohol would not lie to you in the same way. Right. On Grateful Dead Tour, we didn't have the capability. There were situations where a heroic love was called for yeah. when a friend was in trouble. And I can't tell you how many times I am guilty and other hippies mm. of just ignoring them. Wow. Why? Because we didn't have the mortification and that maturity. Now, first of all, another thing I should say is it doesn't come except by grace. So you, you can't make it happen. Right, right. But you have to grapple with it and get his grace to do this. We didn't have that degree of love. So... Frankly, mm. asceticism is so that you can love when it's hard. Mm. So you can love when it requires suffering. I can love my wife, my children, my neighbor, even though it costs me a lot or even everything. Okay, uh, it costs me reputation, you know, or, or 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 physical suffering. If you're not growing in that kind of virtue through through mortification and asceticism through Christ's grace and prayer if you just get that quick fix from marijuana you don't ha- you actually literally don't have that virtue well wow. you have a temporary fix 
that 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 that, that kind of masks. And you could stay it, in the fix. And it masks. And never work on the absolutely. Problem. And and here's the lie: it masks the fact that you don't have it. You think you do, mm-hmm. and you don't. You don't have that kind of self-control, self-possession over your emotions, so that you can love when it's hard. So that I can you know, defend my wife and children or I can say the hard things and risk my reputation or my career when I have to, not recklessly, but if I have to. I think there's a subtlety to the euphoria that some people say, well, it should therefore be legal. I think the subtlety makes it even worse. Yeah, 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 I do too. Because you're not obviously drunk. So yeah, you can function. I, I functioned... High as a kite, you know. Yeah, you could stay in that state all the yeah, time. Yeah. And I, I think there's one of the blessings of alcohol, and, and not just to, well, people often compare it, you know. They right, say, well, alcohol, right. therefore weed. And I'm thinking, that's a, that's a paper tiger. I mean, no, right. no one was debating whether or not we should make one legal. Right, right. But right, should right. we add another drug another to society? Right. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> that was the only yeah, debate yeah, on the yeah, table. Yeah, that's uh, right. But, but there's, there's all sorts of warnings built into alcohol where like if I have too much I'm, I'm hurting the next day no that's right, that's right. whereas there's some people say well weed doesn't have that isn't that great like actually no yeah. it's totally it's, awful it's that worse it doesn't it's have deceptive that. it's deceptive in a way alcohol isn't deceptive it's kind right, of right. You, what you see is what you get and it messes it can mess you up if you abuse it yeah. obviously but, uh, but no, yeah, no, we, no, do not abuse alcohol but in low doses it's a scripture actually talks about it being that's a right. blessing that's right it could, to, a slight depressant takes the yeah, edge yeah. off I could have a conversation with you it doesn't hide who I am a slight right, depressant right. in in moderation it can actually help relax me so i could bring a little right. me to, to the right. to the table it lubricates the conversation yeah. mirth as scripture talks about mirth yeah. of the heart you know right. um but but weed is inherently different i love that you brought out that the difference of the psychotropic the, yeah. this is this brings out a whole part of your brain that for you took to the extreme right but even in the moderate it, it it's the same direction it's the same orientation no right. no that's right and you know what uh Put it, putting my particular strange and extreme, in some ways, story aside, yeah, yeah. or at least, you know, th- there's uh, pretty direct first-hand accounts. Uh, there's a fellow, Alex Berenson, whose wife is a clinical psychologist. Who, they have a lot of anecdotal accounts, and actually there's even statistics about this, that people using high-potency, uh, th- you know, high, yeah. high-THC c- content of marijuana, especially men, it can catalyze schizophrenia. Yeah. So like I said, there were certainly spiritual things going on. It's very possible that there, and I think maybe it was, you know, there was, there was, there was a drug-induced psychosis that Christ healed me from. I mean, I'm, I haven't taken, ever since then, I've never taken medication for anything. Praise God, it's miraculous, and So, so if I had it, he did heal me from it. But mm-hmm. the point is that this is a real and present danger also of, let's say, recreational uh, marijuana use, is that it can catalyze psychosis. It can, it can, it's a catalyst for schizophrenia, and there are a lot of documented cases of this. So if you look yeah. up Alex Berenson. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to include yeah. this in the show notes as yeah. well. The, the, yeah. That document from my bishop, um, you got to read this. And I, yeah. and I don't often say, you got to read a document from a bishop <laughs> yeah, in a yeah. random diocese that's not yours. Right, you right. got to read this right, one. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's really incredible, uh, but he lays a lot of this stuff out. And I'm going to read some of these stats to you to, to show you this is like, there's way more harmful. The, the, the branding for legalization was so good, so effective. That people literally were thinking, this is a healthy alternative yeah. to alcohol. Yes, right. Okay. Uh, so only 64% of people who use weed, which is about 50,000 cannabis users regularly in Colorado right now. Uh, I think that's an underestimate. Only, only about 64% have any idea that you could become addicted. Though some studies show about 30% of people become, can become addicted. That's high. Right, right. That's high. Uh, the CDC 
It says that, quote, people who use marijuana are more likely to develop temporary psychosis and long-lasting mental disorders, including schizophrenia. Uh, my brother-in-law used to work as a psych nurse, and he said almost every case that he got in was induced by marijuana. And this is, these are people who have it in their DNA right. that it may not have, have tripped over into but reality. But this kicks it in. Kicks it in. Yes. Uh, National Institute on Drugs. Recent uh, research suggests that smoking high-potency marijuana every day could increase the chance of developing psychosis by nearly five times. I mean, this is, is, is devastating. Uh, and th this is also mind-blowing. Why states that are looking at legalizing don't look at what's happened in states that did it in the before and after. And I can right. tell you, anybody who's lived in Colorado long enough knows the state has tanked. In, in the, it's just on the roads. Uh, it used to be about 11% of fatal crashes were connected to marijuana. 21% of fatal crashes in the state of Colorado. Right. These are people who are dead now. Right. Lots of people dead because of, of smoking weed driving. Homelessness has outgrown uh, regular influx in our state by 12 times. And there was one, this, the list goes on, I won't bore you, but there's one study that showed that for every dollar gained in tax revenue, Coloradans spent 450 paying for the, the, the devastation yeah. of tons of people smoking weed now. And even the black market has gone up. The right, black market right, is. Right, right. So they said this is going to not be a problem. Well, you think everybody who was illegally selling drugs is going to say, well, I, I guess I'll become a law-abiding <laughs> citizen now. <laughs> and, pay, and pay the fees to get yeah. licensed. And, you <laughs> Give know. me a break, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, t I tell you, i, I got to say this, too. Even the small, small doses of people think, well, this is the equivalent of just getting a small buzz with alcohol. Right, right. The inherent difference of a, psych of a psychedel uh, psychotropic. But also, um, this, this is another study that the average person, and, and the stuff my bishop was drawing from was things like High Times Magazine right, and right, right, the right, CDC right. and right. things that aren't just like the catechism. Right. You know, the right, Baltimore right, right, Catechism right, right. on Weed. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> average person, 2.5 to 5 milligrams of THC is, what the, what, is equivalent to one drink. Average user hits about 40 milligrams at the time of use. So what they think isn't much is the equivalent of 8 to 16 drinks every time the person gets high. Right. <laughs> right. But it's, it's subtle, crazy. right? It's subtle because you're not... But like, it's functional. Yeah, yeah. It it's, looks normal. Well, it's functional in a weird... It's deceptive. Right. Pot but, is a lie. When, when it, it comes it, to it, rules in the home, yeah. rules in society and laws... Right. Uh, what do you say to someone who says, well, you're just legislating your own experience and your, and your morality? Well, What's the response to I would, that? I, I, I would... The short kind of response is, well, yeah, laws are all about morality. They are all the relationships. That's all they are. Morality. I mean, it, it, and, and here's a longer response. If morality is about determining principles by which we can see how we should or shouldn't act, mm. not what is the case, but what should or shouldn't be the case in terms of our actions, well, what, what, what are laws? Laws are telling you you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Mm. They're, about, they're about ethics and morality, but morality is about goods. They're about goods. So, for example, a silly, you know, kind of pedestrian, everyday law like, like speed limit law, right? But there's about the good of preserving, protecting human life and facilitating the good of human transportation for mm -hmm. the various purposes of life, of work, of employment, of enjoyment, entertainment, medical care, etc. So speed limits have to do, these laws, you shouldn't go faster than whatever, has to do with protecting goods, mm -hmm. individual goods and, and communal goods, right? Amen. So, yeah. So, yeah, we're... You got, I think you can't avoid legislating morality, so which morality will it be? Pick one. <laughs> will it be? Uh, I want to dig up this Pope Francis quote. We should quote. Uh, you know, have people smoking pot. And right. Pope Francis kind of prophetically said this just shortly before pot was legalized in Colorado. Uh, attempts, however limited, 
to legalize so-called recreational drugs. And, and, and legalizing it for medical use is something different. So don't even bother leaving your comments and like, right, right, well, let's help right. with my glaucoma. Well, that, that's right. not what I'm talking about here, okay? Are, are not only highly questionable from a legislative standpoint, they fail to produce the desired effects. And er every law has got to be ordered toward the common good. Right, What's good for right. people? Look at the states where it's happened. Has it been good? If not... It's a, but, but you know what's happening when, when you don't have a, a sense of the good based on God. The good defined by society is basically hedonistic. Right. Decrease pain, increase pleasure. That's right. And what happens then? Become a freaking train wreck is what happens it's then. It's utilitarian and it's self-centered, right? So yeah. increasing whose pleasure and reducing whose pain because often that's mutually exclusive. You know, so sometimes yeah. it's increasing my pleasure at the expense of other people's pain. That's it. Yeah, amen. Or vice versa, you know, so. I'm going to come full circle here. Uh, what would you say to parents who are watching their kid go down this road, whether it's in, in, quote, moderation or as extreme as you went down this road? Jesus loves your children more than you do. As much as you love them, he loves them infinitely more. Mm. And uh, pray and don't give up. Jesus talks about the importunate widow. You know, you just keep asking, asking, asking every day. Think of it like this. I have these long-term prayers I've been doing for sometimes, some of them decades, 20, 20 years, you know, praying for somebody's conversion in my family and things like that. Um, I keep thinking like this. This is how it helps me a lot. I think it's true. It's tr I know it's true yeah. through faith. At the end of my life, I see Jesus. And I'm going to say, I've prayed every day, sometimes twice a day, for 25, 30, 40 years for so-and-so's conversion, right? I, I, I don't think at the end of the day it's going to be like, oh, well. <laughs> I have confidence that he loves them more than I do. He loves our children more than we do. Uh, so pray, obviously. Yeah. But love them too. Uh, my parents never, I mean, there can be, everybody's mileage varies, yes. There can be times when you have to cut somebody off and not talk to them, sometimes for the good of other children. And my parents did that a little bit with me because I had a younger brother. But at the same time, they never cut me off altogether. They loved me. They loved me. See, this is the kind of love mm. that requires a lot of suffering. Mm. They could have just cut me the heck off. Just get the heck out of here. And call it a tough love. You scummy hippie. Yeah. Call it tough love and then just, I'm not going to deal with that so I can emotionally enjoy my rest of my life. Mm. But it, they didn't. They loved me. And that, and, and that kind of love requires that you grow in Christ in that kind of self-control and discipline in order to love when it hurts. Mm. So, so yes, it hurts. It's going to hurt a lot if you're in that situation. And you have to consecrate that suffering to Jesus through Mary. Uh, think of, you know, great uh, pa parents who mm. suffered a lot for the kids. Think of St. Monica. We had a you know, devotion to St. Yeah. Monica. My parents prayed to her. She prayed for a long time for St. Augustine's conversion. My parents, um, in, the, in the thick of it, because grateful to her, I'd, I'd circle back and visit home a little bit, then yeah. go back out and visit home for a few days. They got a St. Benedict medal. Friends of theirs went to Medjugorje mm. and got a St. Benedict medal and had it blessed and, and it put it under my bed. Wow. Um, and that may sound superstitious, so maybe it doesn't fit or something, but, but there are all sorts of things, just pr prayer, it's a sacramental, man. It's not superstitious. I mean, you, you, know, you can treat those superstitious yeah. things, but it doesn't mean it's inherently superstitious. Yeah. I mean, it's power. It's power in that. So there's all sorts of things you know, awesome. to, that can be said. I guess like, my heart's breaking for folks in that position, and, you know, we were in that position. I tell so parents, pray, like, don't give up hope. I tell parents, when you're feeling that pain, that is a prayer. Yeah. That pain right. is a cry from your heart that's to Jesus right. with him. The, the God who didn't compromise yes. and say, it's all okay, that's but at right. the same time said, I'm going to stand here and bleed. That's right. 
and, and not become frigid out of love for you. And this is going to perfect you. This, is, this kind of suffering your path, is, yeah. going to perf- is going to conform us more to Christ. And Thank it you, hurts. Lord. Does it hurt? It hurts horribly. Yes, that's, mm. that's the cross. I want to land on this quote, Pope Benedict XVI. He said, being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but an encounter with an event, a person who gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Uh, Jesus Christ. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, it's about him, right. and, and he's right. got something better than that's right. any philosophy, that's right. any, any, and the religion. I say this with reverence for other religions, and, and any substance, anything. Right. He's it, man. No, amen. And, you know, if, you're, if your child, let's say your child dies in, in what seems like a horrible state, yeah. it, uh, think of more popular instances like Chris Farley, who was raised Catholic, yeah. who, who died in the middle of an, a drug overdose. We don't know how God is working with them in those moments. He's giving everybody sufficient grace to be saved. We can count on it. He died on the cross for them. They're still alive at that, those last few moments. You don't know. As horrible as it is, you can't give up hope. Dude, I, I want to keep thank, Thanks for everything you, you, you convey as being a teacher at Steubenville. Thanks more for yeah. the, what your life conveys because God, God doesn't just write with words but events and people, right? No, it's only Jesus. And he it's wrote only something Jesus. on you, yeah. through you. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. And I'm just so blessed to, like, since my college days, hanging out at your well, house till one in the me morning. Too, vice versa. Yeah, right? and listening to some dead yeah. in the background, yeah, but yeah, yeah. studying Aquinas at the same time, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. to see the grace of your life is such yeah. a joy. Yeah. And well, I'm, I'm just honored to share it. You, you are such a blessing to me. I love you so much. I love you, brother. Thank <laughs> you for talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. I love you guys. Missionaries of Joy, thanks for supporting this. Uh, everybody watching, like, sh- subscribe, share, leave comments. We're praying for you. And if you have that person in your life that you really need prayer for, go ahead and enter them in the comments under this video, and we will lift them up by name. And if you want to be vague about the name, fine. Just say, by someone I know. That's fine. And, and not only will we pray for it, I'll, I'll send this stuff to my, my Carmelite friends who are professional prayers in Los Angeles. Carmelite Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Los Angeles. I love you, sisters. Uh, that they'll lift this person up too because Jesus loves to seek and save the lost, and he loves them. We're part of praying that people who are lost sheep come home to him. Thanks for being part of the fold, and thanks for working with us to reach out and bring people back in. God bless you. See you next time.